Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers, I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. It's not the house that's haunted, it's the people haunted by Darth Maul. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to this show because that is a spoiler. What on earth are you talking Oh, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, very appropriate for this episode. Because this week, we're predicting the plot of the upcoming third installment in the Conjuring series. Well, not quite the Conjuring universe, but the third installment in the main Conjuring movies. Conjuring, the devil made me do it. Now, if you haven't listened to one of our episodes before, typically what we do on this show is we attempt to predict the plot of upcoming Hollywood blockbusters just based on the promotional material alone. It's something we used to do for fun, but now we do it professionally, I guess. Yeah, so now it's more painful sometimes. Yeah, exactly. In some, It's taking years off our life. Specific circumstances. <laughs> now, if you want to put one of our previous predictions to the test, you can do so currently because one of the movies that we've predicted in the past is now in cinemas. Finally, after all this time, if you're excited to see the next installment of the Saw franchise, you're in luck because Spiral from the Book of Saw is currently in cinemas, and we predicted that. I don't know how that was long so ago. long ago, so long ago. It was like at the start of last year, I think, that we predicted that movie, and, and now it's finally out. And it's kind of got a similar vibe to this movie that we're covering. In, I in don't a way. think so. Well, it's kind of like a detective story. Is this a really a detective case, story? Or a court case story, I guess. I don't think Spiral has a court case in it at all. Oh, well, it's an investigation. I'm okay. trying to link these right. two things together, Kieran. Fair enough. But yes, if you've seen Spiral or if you want to go see Spiral, listen to our episode before yeah. or after. We like to recommend after. So yeah. We don't accidentally it's much better something. to listen to it afterwards. And let us know what you thought about it and let us know what you thought about Saw. Please do. Now, I can tell just from that last statement, Matty D, that you're itching to talk about The Conjuring. So let's get straight into it. I am. Now, as we mentioned already, this is the third movie in The Conjuring series, but it's the eighth movie in The Conjuring universe. They just keep pumping these movies out. So, of course, we had The Conjuring back in 2013, and that was followed up by Annabelle, then The Conjuring 2, then Annabelle Creation, then we had The Nun, and then The Curse of La Llorona, and then finally Annabelle Comes Home, which brings us to The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So, something they do in these movies, it started off way in the first Conjuring movie back in 2013, is they'll introduce sort of like a minor sort of evil demon or demonic character, which will come back in its own movie later on. So Annabelle was introduced in the first Conjuring movie, even though Annabelle wasn't the main villain of that movie. No, it just appeared in the museum. That's right. right. And then, of course, The Nun, who, which the movie came out in 2018, The Nun was introduced in The Conjuring 2, and then La Llorona, I believe, was introduced in The Nun. So, I suppose we can expect another spin-off character to come from this movie, although I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I suppose we're going to have to find out when the movie comes out, because it's just going to be something that's only peripherally related to the overall plot. That would be so hard to guess. Yeah, exactly. We're never going to be able to guess a minor occurrence that happens peripherally to the plot. We're never going to do that. Maybe we should just take a stab at it. Oh, anyway. let's do it. Let's let's just take a stab. So they've been talking about making a Crooked Man movie for a while. That still hasn't happened because the crooked, crooked Man. The Crooked Man appeared in The Conjuring 2, and then they announced that there was going to be a Crooked Man spin-off, but then they ended up doing the nun instead. What is the Crooked Man? The Crooked Man is literally just like a character out of a fairy tale who goes around scaring children. Is that in Wolf Among Us? I think that character is in the the comic book and the video game oh. series Wolf Among Us. Okay. Fables, sorry. Crooked man in a crooked house in a yeah. crooked street. Yeah, that's, that's him. That's the fairy tale. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah. So he appears as a character in the Conjuring movies. Oh, does so he? So he's going to have his own movie eventually. I don't know where you'd go with that movie, but yeah, whatever. So if I had to guess, all right, if I had to guess, it has to be something with instant appeal, like Annabelle, like the nun, like the crooked man, like La Llorona, even though I have no idea who La Llorona is. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie. But yeah, if I had to guess, I'd probably say it's going to be maybe a witch. Yeah, I would think what's popular right now. We got that video game with the with the lady with the Resident big, Evil. Yeah, big fingernails. Oh, like a big breasted witch is gonna maybe they might go in that direction. Resident Evil, the village you're talking about. Maybe a werewolf. Yeah, maybe. I <laughs> don't not? think so. Actually, no, probably not. I tell you what, the Warrens did actually. We'll, we'll talk all about the Warrens in a second. The Warrens did actually investigate a werewolf case. Of course they did. So they're probably saving that for its own Conjuring <laughs> movie in the future. I would love to see that. How would they The Warrens that? tackle werewolves. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a better movie than what we're covering right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Well, we do know that there is a, and it's probably going to appear in your plot, there is a figure in the trailer that we don't get to see, but it's kind of like almost a, an animal-human hybrid. Yeah, that's right. So maybe it's that, but I think that's going to be no, the, main that's the main antagonist for this one. That's the main demon they're fighting, I'm pretty sure, so. 
though. Maybe That's it'll not be, be the spin-off character. Maybe it'll be like a Slender Man, Siren Head figure. Possibly. I'm just going with what's popular be your guess. at the moment. I'm, I'm going to stay with the, the witch. Uh, I well, don't there's know. witches in this. Yeah, I know. But it's going to be like a, a specific witch person. Maybe it's a, a ghost of a witch. Kind of like in the first Conjuring movie, there was a ghost of a witch harassing them. But yeah, I think it's going to be more traditionally a witch. It's the Candyman and they do a crossover. I do like your theory of a big-breasted witch, though, with long fingernails. <laughs> of course you like that. Yeah, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? That's why that game's so popular. But now, since we've been doing this show, there has been two movies released in the Conjuring universe, and this is our first time covering them, because in the past, when that movie came out, I think we were covering, like, Men in Black International, something important like that. <laughs> So we couldn't do it. Yep. Couldn't get around to it. We're too busy covering Men in Black International. So The Curse of La Laronia and Annabelle Comes Home came out when we first started doing this show. But yeah, I guess we just decided, oh, we've been doing too many horror movies recently. Let's do something else. But yeah. we're finally here. If anyone wanted us to cover the Conjuring universe, horror we're movies, finally here. Horror movies have been a hard thing to predict for us. Yes. Because usually it doesn't have much of a plot. It just relies on those jump scares. Yes. And the trailers are always made up of just the scary moments. Yeah. And no, like, plot details. They're just like, look how scary this movie is. So I think we've kind of avoided a lot of the horror movies. And I'm not complaining at all because you know how I feel about horror movies. Yeah. But I guess here we are. We're talking about (laughs) Conjuring 3. Well, let's find out what your history is with the Conjuring universe. Sure. Do you even have one? Yeah, no, I do. Um... Don't ask me which movies I've seen because I can't really remember. They all kind of meld for me. Oh, you're telling me. So I watched one of them, I think, back in 2013. I I think when they came out. There was only one out then, so it would have happened. Well, yeah, it would have been been the original. But I I remember watching that along with, um, you know, Insidious and all those movies if they were out at the same time. Insidious is basically the same movie as well. Yeah, yeah. So they all kind of melded together. But I remember the Warrens being in it so I remember I watched that well the same actors also appear well one of the same actors also appear in Insidious as well so that had to confuse oh, no, you maybe, maybe I've, Patrick Wilson is one of the main characters I've, in Insidious series I've definitely seen it I've definitely seen it I've definitely seen one of the Annabelles pretty recently actually Oh, there you got go. Got a little stoned and did that. Okay. Um, not, not, not advisable people. But I, you know what? I am a, everyone knows on this show right now, I'm a big scaredy cat. Yeah. I've seen these movies and they get me sometimes, but most of the time they're not really that bad. No, no. I think they're really aimed at like younger people. I think they're aimed at teenagers and maybe young adults rather than yeah. big strong men like us. No. Um, I think I saw one of them. I think I've seen the one with the nun. I can't remember. It's so hard for me to distinguish these movies, but I've definitely seen a few of them, you know? So you have a little bit of a loose history I, with them. Yeah, But yeah. nothing you could really pin down to like no, concrete, no. solid it's, it, they've a, never an been, experience. They've never been anything I've enjoyed. Right. Uh, but I've sat through them. Okay. <laughs> I like the people that play the Warrens. I think they're good. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, them in a sec. Um, and then I found out that they're based on real people and yeah. found that a little interesting. Did a bit of reading on that and did a little bit of reading on it for the show. But yep. other than that, that's pretty much the history, really. There we go. What about yourself? I can't believe you have more of a history than I do. So before doing this episode, I had never seen a Conjuring movie. I had very little knowledge about the universe overall. I knew that Annabelle was a part of that universe. And I think I knew as well that The Nun was a part of that universe. But again, I had no interest in seeing any of the movies because I've watched a lot of horror movies when I was younger. A lot of movies that I'd probably say were a bit scarier than The Conjuring movies. So even if I was still into watching horror movies, they wouldn't be my go-to movies because they're mainly just lots of build-up, lots of long, quiet moments and then a loud noise and that's supposed to be the scariness of the movie. So hands clapping. Yeah, I don't really find that stuff frightening at all. In fact, I just find it tedious. So I thought I'd do my due diligence and I watched the other two Conjuring movies a couple of days ago and then I did my research into the real life stories based on those movies to see if they were close at all. Spoiler alert, they were not. I also did a little bit of research into the Warrens as well. Now, typically on this show, something that we've said in the past is we typically have said we wouldn't cover movies that are based on a true story. But if the other two Conjuring movies are anything to go by we'll probably find that the characters have the same names and that's about it. So I think the actual Conjuring movies are so far away from the truth, having watched those first two, that there's no way that the real life circumstances are going to really play that much into the movie. Which is weird because they have Lorraine Warren as an advisor on set. Yeah, that's right. But she's just like, yeah, do whatever you want, guys. Yeah, more or less. But she's dead now. She died in 2019. Now they can really do whatever they want. Yeah, they can just fly off the rails. Maybe they can make them more like the real Warrens. (laughs) <laughs> Fingers crossed. How'd you find the movies, by the way? Oh, as I suspected, they weren't really my thing. I didn't really find them scary at all. I really enjoyed the trailers for the first two movies, I've got to say. Oh, the really? trailers made it look cooler than the actual movies were. 
So the trailers were actually kind of more scary and they had better imagery than the actual movies because the actual movies were way too drawn out. They were both over two hours, which really pissed me off because that's way too long for these kind of movies. Especially because there's a lot of, not a lot of stuff happening. Yes, exactly. A lot exactly. of like empty time and spaces and people just looking at things. That's right. I have to say, though, with these movies, the, the cinematography I kind of enjoy. Yeah, the, the, the cinematography is always good. The camera's always moving. Yeah. Yeah, everything's really stylish looking. That's I think one thing they get take the time periods pretty good. I mean, I didn't live in any of the time periods where they're set. 70s. But, you know, I think it's close enough. Now we've got one in the 80s. Yeah, this is 1981. Yep, there we go. Now, before we start talking about our plots... I wonder if they'll have an 80s soundtrack we for should, this movie. We should talk about the main characters themselves, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yes. Now, what can you tell me about the Warrens? What do you know from your limited research? Uh, so, Ed and Lorraine Warren are ghost hunters, I guess. is the Paranormal best, investigators. The best way to describe them. They're, um, Lorraine claims she's clairvoyant or she has a connection yeah, with the spiritual a medium. world. And they have, uh, in their life, gone and visited people who claim they have demonic possession they also have established a museum in which they keep artifacts artifacts haunted artifacts possessed because the whole idea is you can't unpossess them so they sort of store them they have some connection with the roman catholic church yeah well they're both roman catholics yeah so yeah that's them they've written books they've done ghost tours they've been involved in a lot of tv cases I think I should just point out as well that Ed Warren is a demonologist. So that's what he brings to the table. He understands about demons. And apparently, apparently he knows how to conduct exorcisms as well. Yeah, that's I don't just know easy. How, I don't know that's how truthful that is. Now, it's interesting. Their portrayal in the movies is that they're these very pious, heroic, noble people who are like in their family lives are really sort of lovey-dovey and, uh-huh. and heartwarming and just charming to watch on the screen. But the real life Ed and Lorraine Warren would you believe in both the other Conjuring movies, the real-life circumstances behind those movies was that they weren't involved in those cases at all, really? Like, they'd mainly just show up uninvited, harass the occupants of the <laughs> house, and basically like, oh, we need uh, details so we can go to the news and make heaps of money from this. Yep. Uh, you know, we want to steal something so we can put it in our little museum. Yep. And so, they're very much, from what I understand... I don't Fraudsters? Wanna, I don't want to be... Shysters? Yes. It, it has been suggested that they're fraudsters... And often money is their main MO. Well, when you look at their career and you look at they're making books, they're doing TV shows, they're releasing this, that and the other. It's just like, hmm. And basically hmm. the filmmakers, James Wan, when he made the the previous movies, he basically had to get the okay from the Warrens in in their portrayal. So their portrayal is always very Really flattering. Very flattering, very careful. Showing them as basically these two-dimensional characters who have no flaws whatsoever. In the second Conjuring movie, it drove me nuts because Ed Warren would just come over to the, the people's house in England and he's like fixing their furnace, he's fixing their sink, you know, he's going around being what Mr. Handy. What a great guy. While Lorraine is like becoming besties with the girl who's supposedly possessed. And then in real life, they literally just turned up and were turned away because they were just there trying to be publicity hounds. Yeah. Now, it's worth saying that obviously there's a lot of criticism that they get and people generally spe- well some people don't really have a lot of love for the Warrens. No. A lot of their fellow paranormal investigators don't really give them a lot of credence. There's a lot of people who put a lot of time and energy into investigating this sort of stuff and they've always shown very little respect for the Warrens as you've said. Mm. But who are we to judge? We yeah. have no expertise in the supernatural no. world, so I only discovered about them last week, so yeah. this is all I know. The other thing that drove me nuts about those movies as well is that skeptics in those movies are always portrayed as idiots. Yeah. Like in the first movie there was like a comic relief policeman who's supposedly a skeptic. And he's just like, I know why doors close themselves. It's because the wind blows it. And then anytime like something obviously paranormal would happen, something obviously supernatural would happen, they turned to him and be like, was that the breeze? Was that the breeze, you big dingus? <laughs> and in the second movie, they ramp it up to 11 where like almost everyone doesn't believe them. There's so much like obvious paranormal stuff going on. And then this woman's like, look, I saw the little girl bending a spoon. It's clearly all fake. <laughs> And then we're supposed to side with the Warrens, obviously, and be just like, yo, I can't believe they're not believing this really obviously paranormal stuff. But I suppose we're seeing the movie from their point of view. Wasn't in the movies the Warrens say, or most paranormal incidents are logically explained? Yeah, that's right. And some stuff are not. That's right. They do say that. Yeah. So I don't know if the real life Warrens do that or like, hey, (laughs) this is paranormal. Well, I think everyone can make up their own minds. Now, again, as we mentioned earlier, the the story of this movie is, from what I understand, very loosely based on a true story. So, we should probably go over what's happened in that true story as well. Yeah, a real law case. That's right. It was a real court case with someone claiming demon possession. (laughs) What details do you know about the case? And I'll back it up with anything that you might miss. So, my understanding is this. There was a person that killed their landlord. 
Yeah, uh, that's right. Presum- His name was Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Yeah, presumably randomly. So what what led to this was him, his girlfriend, his the his go- fiance, his, his fiance, yeah, his fiance's sister and his fiance's cousin, who's nine years old, were they went to like a pizza palace. Yeah, they went they went out together with, um, with her boss, who happened to be their landlord. their landlord. Yeah, and he was drinking, and he refused to let them leave. Uh, refused yeah. to let the little girl leave. Yeah, that's right. And allegedly, and I believe. Because um, I think he was getting like drunk and emotional, and they're like, "Oh, we yeah. kind of need to leave." And it's like, "No, don't go!" And then like grab the little girl, yeah. and it's like, "You're not going anywhere." Um, Arn's fiance Debbie Arnie Arnie is his name. It's Arnie or oh, whatever. Um, tried to like get- Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> tried to get them all to leave, and allegedly Arnie started acting out. He did call in sick for his job earlier that yeah, day. Yeah, that's right. And he. He acted out, acted like uh, a demonic dog, I believe they sort of said, and yeah. and stabbed. He said he started growling, yeah. and then he produced a pocket knife and stabbed uh, stabbed the guy, and then was by found- the way the the landlord's name was Alan Bono, yeah, not to be confused with Sonny Bono or Bono. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Arnie was found walking around, and when they questioned him about it, he said he had no recollection and believes it was a demonic possession. So when That's he correct got. Pulled up on the trial on the stands, he said he was possessed, and the Warrens came in to give credence to that. That's correct. That's uh, that's right. Defense. Almost coincidentally enough, a couple of weeks beforehand, Arnie's well, Arnie's fiance Debbie's younger brother was believed to have been possessed, and they actually brought in the Warrens to help uh, save him from demonic possession. So it's quite a coincidence that suddenly, <laughs> you know, or I guess the demon jumped from little David into Arnie. Mm. I suppose we'll have to explore this in our plot. So I guess this this case got a lot of media attention yes, of purely course. because it's somebody saying as it says the devil made me do it yes. like, and saying, also the Warrens are going around telling all of the media outlets oh, there's this story there's a guy who was possessed by yeah. a demon and killed a guy who's in yeah. court right now and they got the backing I believe of uh, of some churches the Catholic, I think the Catholic yeah, Church they got, petitioned the churches yeah. yeah got involved but he was found guilty right that was my understanding he was, Arnie was yeah, that's found right. guilty so. he was found guilty of manslaughter would you believe that whole situation sounds like he was just in he was just defending himself or yeah. defending the, the little girl from a drunk guy who was yeah. accosting them. Yeah. Why didn't he just go with a defense plan? I have no idea. It's everything like you're more likely it. to win over a yes. jury with a defense plan than could you, oh, demonic possession. Could you imagine what these? Why like, would you want this guy walking around if he's possessed by a I, demon? I kind of feel like it's uh, you know, the man who wasn't there where there's yes. the, the scene where the lawyer's trying to fix a fix a defense for him and he's just like, hmm, demonic possession. Let's go with that. That's the that's the best defense we can have. Yeah. Demonic possession. So yeah. Um, yeah it doesn't make much sense to me. But that you know. is. Uh, do you have any other information about it? Or? No, I think we basically covered everything. Sorry if it wasn't super succinct, but I think we've just got to cover it as briefly yeah. as possible. We Essent- could spend a whole podcast just talking about the case itself. Yeah, essentially, somebody murdered somebody and said they were uh, possessed, possessed by a devil. So that was the real life story, I suppose, or as close as we can get to what we presume is the real life story. But what do we know about the plot of the movie so far? So so far, we have one trailer. That's right. One little bitty trailer. And it's not and very helpful, is we it? We don't see a lot of things. So we see we see um, the police finding Arnie. That's right. Walking. Covered in road, blood. Covered in blood. Uh, we see clips of court scenes. We see clips of the Warrens being called in, talking to Arnie. I, I guess they're being questioned in the courtrooms. They're talking yeah. to witnesses. They're trying to put pieces together. And they believe that there's demonic possession. We see that media's going crazy with it. We see that they go into a forest. Some, yep. some somewhere. Um, some frightening stuff happens. There's cultists. There's stuff happening. There's things attacking them. Uh, we see David in the trailer. We see David's getting... Attacked by a waterbed. <laughs> attacked by a waterbed. Yes. <laughs> As you do. Um, and attacked by someone in the shower. All sorts of stuff. So a lot of jump scares, as you yeah. said, which is typical for these trailers. Another thing that annoys me about the trailer as well is that there's a bit in it where Ed Warren says um, the court's always... Oh my God, this... Oh yeah, The courts always acknowledge the existence of God in legal cases, but I think it's time we start acknowledging the existence of the devil. (laughs) What's funny is that quote was attributed to Arnie in real life. Oh, really? Arnie Johnson said that, and I like that they just gave that quote to to Ed Ed Warren in the movie, probably because he wasn't even there to say it. (laughs) Probably wasn't even in town when it happened. Well, we know he was, but, you know, judging from these movies. Now, we do actually have an official description from Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema themselves. They've teamed up to do this movie, and they have said, The Devil Made Me Do It reveals a chilling story of terror, murder, and unknown evil that shocked even the experienced real-life paranormal investigators. By the way, 
they sell all of these movies as this is the most shocking case that Ed and Lorraine Warren I'm have so experienced. I'm so hearing that. They say that, yeah, they say that all the time. I mean, you're trying to sell the movie, so why not? An unknown evil that shocked even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. One of the most sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before, except in the other two movies. <laughs> To mark the first time in US history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defense. Presumably not the last time. I don't know. And as I said, that was from Warner Brothers Pictures and New Line Cinema. Well, so that gives, that gives a few more details about the plot than the, the trailer does. Still very vague. Yes. Still very, very vague. vague. Now, before we start breaking down what we think is going to happen in the movie, let's talk about who's in the movie. Now, returning as the character of Lorraine Warren is Vera Farmiga, who, of course, we've talked about. She played Dr. Emma Russell in uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Great performance. And playing her husband, Ed Warren, is Patrick Wilson, who we've never talked about before on this show. We're both big fans of his because he not only appeared as Night Owl in Watchmen, but he was also the main character in Fargo Season 2. I always love to bring it up when someone's in Fargo (laughs) at any point. These two actors are great in the movies, I think. Yeah, they're good. They're very likeable. I mean, it's a shame, as I mentioned before, that they're played so two-dimensionally. If they had a little bit more character, if they were, like, fighting with each other, maybe, or had some sort of conflict or some sort of weakness that they had to get over, it might make for a more compelling movie. But it's a Conjuring movie. What are we, what are we going to expect? Their role is to come into, you know, the family's life and be the, you know, the saints. Support. Yeah, exactly. The, the good guys, the heroes that lift them out of the darkness. Just doing it from the kindness of their own heart. Of course, of course. By the way, Patrick Wilson was also in Phantom of the Opera. If you remember that really? original one with Gerard Butler. Oh, there you go. He played the handsome guy, the non-scarred character who uh, was in love with the, with the female lead. So for the rest of the characters, or most of the rest of the characters I wanted to talk about in this movie, I, I, they didn't have a lot of other film credits to their names. So I think I'd just rather explain the characters that they're going to be playing rather than what their credits are. Yeah, so there, for, there's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah, exactly. So first up playing the character of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson is uh, Rory O'Connor, who is the murderer, of course, the guy who's claiming he was possessed by the devil in the court case. And next up playing his fiance Debbie Glatzel, is Sarah Catherine Hook. And then playing the possessed child or the supposed possessed child David, who is Debbie's younger brother, is uh, Julian Hilliard. Next up, playing Debbie's mother, Judy Glatzel, is Charlene Amoya, who we have actually seen before in a movie we've covered on this show. Oh, really? She played the Huntress's mother in Birds of Prey. Oh, there you go. Big, huge character, I think, was in one scene with no dialogue. Next up, playing Debbie's father, Carl Glatzel, is Paul Wilson. And then next up, playing the murdered landlord, presumably, also the boss of Debbie, is Ronnie Jean Blevins. And he plays the character Bruno Sauls, who is a fictionalized version of Alan Bono. Yeah, they changed his name. Yeah, that's right. Probably because they're not going to say particularly nice things about him in the movie would be my prediction. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I also think it's kind of, you know, tasteless to do a movie about a murder of a real person. So I guess they thought that as well. But they, they kept the name of the murderer. That's right. Sorry. Because he's still alive to defend himself. Yeah, that's right. So, because he's still alive, he's still, he's actually free and in the clear at the moment. He talks about this all the time, but, you know, the family of the victim probably don't look on this this whole case, court case, in the same light as the no. as Arnie and his family he do. He was sentenced for 20 years, wasn't he? That's right, but he only did five. That's right, yeah. And finally, the last Re- actor. Really good behavior. Yes. The last actor I wanted to talk about playing an unknown character is John Noble. Who, of course, we know as playing... What was his character in Lord of the Rings? He played... Uh, Denethor. Denethor, that's right. The guy who sets himself on fire and the throws himself... Sets him- Father of the year, Denethor. Yeah, that's right. And also L.A. Noir. He the, played Leland Monroe. The one hardest of the guy to, to read. In L.A. Noir, the video game. So, yeah, two great things we love there. And that's all the actors. So, let's get straight into our plots. Matty D, I believe you're going first. I am, I am. Let's go straight into what I believe is going to be in The Conjuring 3. That kind of rhyme. The almost. devil made you do this plot. The devil made me. The devil made me do this. Yeah. Definitely. The devil made me do this. So we're going to open because I saw in this credit list here, I saw that playing Lorraine and Ed Warren, mm-hmm. there were other actors here. Yeah, that's right. What? There's two actors credited as playing young what? Ed and young Lorraine. Young Ed and Lorraine. So we're actually going to start with a flashback. That's mm-hmm. how we're opening. And we're going to see a young version of Ed and Lorraine. What's going to happen here is Lorraine is going to be in a confessional in a church, right? Telling the priest about her visions, her you know clairvoyancy, her like her being able to see spirits because yeah. she believes at this stage that you know she's crazy, she's crazy, or that she's got you know got a link with the devil, like, okay. da, 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 something like that. Anyway, she's talking to the priest. 
the priest might the priest might just leave. Who knows? But so all of a sudden, some dark stuff <laughs> like, happens. Because we need a jump scare, right, Kieran? We need a jump yeah. scare right in the middle. Horror movies have to start with. This and game. all of a sudden, we have like a you know light start flickering. She's getting all scared. And, you know, like a, a demon thing comes out. and This so- is in the church? Yeah, this is in the church. Oh, maybe it's the nun. Maybe it's the first time she saw maybe, the nun. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Ed will be there and Ed will come to her rescue, right? This is where they're going to first meet. And Ed will pull out a crucifix and scare the, scare the oh, demon off. Very him. nice. Going to have the the how Ed and Lorraine met. Their origin story. Their I like origin it. story in a I short like little bit. And what's going to happen is they're going to hold each other's hands. Oh, how nice. sweet, how cute. And then we're going to go straight into a flash of newspaper clippings where we're going to see the Warrens cases, some of whom we've seen, some that we haven't. We'll see Ooh. Annabelle, we'll see The pictures. werewolf one is there. The werewolf one. By the way, do you like how uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren look exactly like their real-life counterparts? Oh, look, totally like them. <laughs> like They cast the best people to look yeah. like Ed and, Lo- Ed and Lorraine. We are being sarcastic, of course. The real-life Ed and Lorraine Warren don't look at all like Vera Farmiga <laughs> or Patrick Wilson. By the way, all of the characters in this movie, or in fact, all of the Conjuring movies, I've looked up all of their real-life yeah. counterparts, none of them at all look similar to their the people that they're based on. At yeah. all. Of course, you know, Even the doll. Even the doll. The doll... <laughs> The Annabelle doll is a raggedy Ann doll in real life. Well, they could do that, obviously. Yeah, it's a copyrighted doll, and also it's not scary at all. Sorry to just steamroll through your plot there, but no, I thought right. that was important to point out. Absolutely. So once we get through that scene and we get the title, which is yep. Devil May, Devil Made Me Do It, not Devil May Cries, I almost <laughs> said. That's a video game. We're going to see a guy who we know is Arnie, but we don't know him at this stage, walking right. along the side of a road. A sheriff is just going to drive past him, pull over, just go, hey, man, what's going on? By the way, Arnie in real life looks exactly like Andy Kaufman. Looking up. Yeah. He looks identical. He looks like a gangster. Yeah, he does. He looks like if Al Capone and Andy Kaufman had a kid. Yeah, the devil made me do it indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some guy got whacked. So, yeah, we're going to be introduced to Arnie. He's covered in blood and the police officer will say, what happened right. here? So, we're starting towards the end. What? <laughs> Don't you remember in the, uh, uh, the, the plot summary, they said it starts off with the possession of a small boy and then goes to the murder? Yeah. So, you're already wrong. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. Okay, fair enough. This is what, yeah. That's how the trailer opens, so I guess you could presume the yeah. movie opens that way too. Yeah. Just letting you know, my plot is not going to follow the chronological order of, okay. re- of historic events because I don't think they can do it and I don't think they will do it in a way that will be satisfying to a narrative. not what they've said in the plot summary. Don't care. Okay. This is what I'm doing. And I and I don't think they're going to follow along the, the correct way. So I that- think that's a that's a good prediction there because the movies, if the other two movies are anything to go by, they're only going to very loosely follow the actual story. Also, it's a, it's a very conjuring esque thing to be like start with a dramatic thing and then backtrack. Yeah, that's what right. happened previously. That's so that's right. what we get here. We we see Arnie. He's all covered in blood and he will be arrested for the murder of Bruno, not Bono or Bruno <laughs> or whatever the real guy's name is. I shouldn't Bono. say that. No yeah. disrespect to him, but. This guy's called Bruno in this movie, so he gets arrested. Anyway, the Warrens are chilling out in their museum. We'll see all the creepy stuff. We'll have some Easter eggs here for anyone who's fans of the Conjuring universe and the Conjuring franchise. They'll get a call about this case from the family because Arnie is claiming demonic possession. And then according to real life, they're already there. So Mm. they're like, oh, you want us to come back? (laughs) And this is all takes place in 1981 in Connecticut. So they go to the police station. The police introduce them to the idea that what the, what the murderer is making claims, or the supposed murder that he's been he's made claims that well, the, he is the murderer. Well, that's yeah. not in doubt. Well, in this movie, it is right. Okay, but uh, they're saying uh, they're saying that's what his claims are, and they're just pretty much bringing the Warrens in to kind of debunk this, since they're the experts in the area, right? And and it's for more for the benefit of the family of okay. Arnie. Yep. So they're going to talk to the victim, and Lorraine is going to see something or feel something in his presence, and she's going to be like, ah. There's more to this than what they know, and she believes that he is possessed or there's something. So she sees a monkey on his back. Yep. Just like in the first Conjuring movie. She feels an evilness in him, and I don't think we'll see it, but we'll see her expression. Just like the other Conjuring movies. Arnie will be played as a really nice guy as well. Mm -hmm. Like a really, everyone will be like, this guy killed somebody? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He'll be played. Everyone's going to be like, why didn't he just go with the defense (laughs) plea? Tell me about it. Would have made way more sense. Also, throughout the movie, the rest of the police will be very cynical about yeah, the Warrens' of tactics. And of course. They're always going to have those characters in the movie. And there'll be one police officer in particular that will always be there to argue the 
counter argument of what they're doing. So be like, okay. this is ridiculous. It's just like in the first movie. Exactly. So they'll talk to other witnesses and they'll start to compile through the use of flashbacks and through the use of audio recordings, mm-hmm. essentially what happened, which is that Arnie called in sick. Uh, he met Debbie at a kennel, which is where apparently she worked. The dog grooming like place. That's right. That's right. And we'll even see in these kind of flashbacks, Arnie's sickness is actually his possession. So he right. might be so acting his, out his a little bit. His condition is worsening the more we see Yeah, him. he might be sweating. He's, you know, seeing things maybe. He's acting odd, but not too odd. He just right. thinks he's unwell. So Arnie, Debbie, and Debbie's sister, Wanda, and Mary, whether they'll be named Wanda. or not. That's a new character. Yeah, Wanda is his sister, her sister, from what I read. Okay. I probably missed that in my research. Unless She's I'm not wrong. cast in this movie, so we'll see. Yeah, I didn't see her in the cast list either, so could be not a character. Could just be Mary in there. Anyway, essentially what happens is exactly what we addressed at the start of the plot. Bono will be drunk. He will become really uncomfortable and really aggressive. No, Bruno, not Bono. Oh, Bruno, sorry. Bruno will become really aggressive. And as they go to leave, Arnie will come in growling, acting very animalistic and stab, <laughs> stab Bruno to death. And everyone will be shocked and everyone will say, this was unlike Arnie. Mm. There, there was no reason for him to do this, aside from the obvious reason, but yeah. we're just going to ignore that. And yeah, Bruno's going to be played as a very dangerous kind of guy, I think. Really? Like, how so? Oh, like he's going to be like a bad drunk. You know? Okay. He's going to be like a big like guy. Violent, so he's like slapping a little bit around. Not, not, not violent, but just kind of like uncomfortable. Think of like a David Lynch yelling. movie with okay, uh, yeah. with the guy with the breathing mask on, you know. Oh, but not, Dennis not that, Hopper in yeah, uh, Blue Velvet. Not wow. That far. <laughs> not that far, but like... Mommy! <laughs> everyone's on edge. Everyone's on edge right around him. He's just really uncomfortable. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So. Hey, Raymond, you get enough beer for Ben, too. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Paps Blue Ribbon! That's that's going to be his vibe. And he's their landlord and their boss, apparently, and he invites them to go out drinking at a pub. That's that's how that all happens. At a pizza restaurant, not a pub. Well, no, they don't go to pizza, right? Oh, no, that's right. They do Debbie, go to a pub, and then she wants to go get pizza yeah, for the kids. because she right. wants to get the kids out of the room, but he stops them. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. that's where this whole thing takes place. I like that you have so much faith that this is actually going to happen in the movie. Yeah, they're not going to follow this at all, but, you know, when you got nothing else, you've yeah. got to go off something. Yeah. So... What are the Warrens going to do? Well, they're going to go visit his family. They're going to go to his house. It's going to be a bunch of creepy stuff that happens. Yep, of <laughs> course. Insert creepy stuff. Insert like I have exactly the same thing in my plot. Doors closing. You know, Loud whatever noises, scratching from coming upstairs. A lot of a lot of long scenes of just nothing but silence. Yep, and then boo at the last minute. And they'll also meet David. Now we'll get to see David starts becoming... Now, I know originally David was the first one that gets possessed. Yeah. And then it becomes Arnie. But I think it's going to be reversed just for the sake of the narrative. So okay. the demon is going to... You know, I initially thought this exact same thing. They might actually say, you know, it all started with David and they might talk to David and all of a sudden it starts... Coming back. Coming back and all of a sudden... Like a bad flu. Water beds are attacking David and he's like seeing arms in the shower and we get to see this all through his point of view. So the trial is going on at this point. The trial is going on at okay, this point. Cool. So they're doing their so own this investigation. Is happening during the investigation. That's okay, right. Fair enough. So when the Warrens are looking around the house, they go into an attic and... An attic is the... No, a basement. Whatever. Whatever's underneath the house. A basement, yep. Yeah. And find a... Is it a- full of water? <laughs> Is there a piano down there? <laughs> it's an Indian burial ground. Yeah. No, it's a crucifix. They find an old crucifix. That's a bit strange, huh? Mm. Never seen a crucifix in a house. Before. Well, it's it's a it's a not quite a crucifix. It's like an ancient looking crucifix. It's like uh, it's an artifact. Is it upside down? Yeah. Well, it's in the trailer. Oh, okay. Did you yeah. see it in the trailer? No, I didn't. Okay, we'll get into that in a sec. <laughs> So, they ask the family about it, and the family don't know what it is. How did this get here? Don't know. Mm. Didn't they just move in? And David is going to react violently to okay. this symbol. Right. So, there's something on about it. So, they take it to an expert, just somebody the Warrens know, one of their academic friends, you know, in the field. Yep. And they say it is uh, uh, it has its origins in witchcraft. Right. And cult-like stuff. Witches. Yeah, exactly. Revisiting the first movie again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they'll go to a forest where there was apparently a lot of rituals of these kinds. This yep, is what that takes them there. So they go with the police. The police are moaning the entire way, being like, what are we doing? This is a waste of time. Uh, Lorraine is going to have a vision of a humanoid beast that mm-hmm. attacks her. A lot of scary stuff. And this at this point in the movie, Lorraine is going to start to get too involved. And yep, it starts as to, standard. It starts to overtake her. It's going to be a point where she has visions where she's chasing it, and she nearly falls off a cliff, and yep. her body like pulls her down. All that kind of stuff. And Ed is really worried about her. 
because she's getting too involved in the yep. dark world. I can tell you didn't watch the previous movie. <laughs> well, I did. It's just so long ago. This comes to the point where Lorraine and Ed will actually get to talk to the demon. So they're in an interrogation room. What? Actually- <laughs> With the demon? Yeah. Like they arrest the demon. No, no. Drag him in. <laughs> Imagine that. That'd be awesome. No, they go, into- it. they go into the interrogation room with Arnie. Right. And okay. the demon possesses Arnie. Yep. And all- while this is happening, by the way, there's all this media flare up going on. The Warrens are being scrutinized. They're talking to you know news outlets and things like that. All that uh, craziness going on in the background. Uh, But Ed and Lorraine talk to the demon that's possessing Arnie and manage to exorcise the demon out of him. Yep. How do they do that? I don't know. They uh, they have a priest with them? Yeah, they'll have a priest with them. Okay. Um, But it'll be Lorraine that does it. She'll just figure out a way to to get rid of him. Right. So she'll say like the demon's name. She'll say Valak. And then it'll just say, the king of serpents. He'll be like, go away. And the demon will be like, by the way, that's what happened in the end of the second movie. So, Arnie is free from the demon. They won, right? He's not free from the long arm of the law. I'll no, tell you that. well, that's the thing. The court rules that he's guilty. So, we're going to have a downer ending where the Warrens are deflated. They have all the evidence that supports the fact that there was a demon possession, but no one believes them, even though it happened. Yep. Even the police that were there are not going to back them up. It's all very sad. What jerks. And yep. we, as the audience, are just like, man, it's so real. Like supernatural forces in this in this trial. I don't are so think they real. just believed the Warrens. <laughs> the world would be a better place. And the ending of this movie will be them taking the crucifix into their museum. Oh, there we go. The end. And then we've got our spin-off character, Crucifix Man. <laughs> and if Jesus, I was, I think we call him <laughs> the Crucifix Man. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There we go. Well done. Maybe. I didn't mind that. It, it goes against what the uh, the plot summary from the official plot summary states. Sometimes you got to go off on a limb. Look, do? I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. It's going to be a lot of lengthy nothingness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then people going, boo, really loud. That's it. That's it. But people like that stuff, so there yeah. you go. And no, no fault against anybody who likes that sort of stuff. It's just we don't like that, so it's not really our cup of tea. So I sort of went in a completely different direction to you. Now, Good. typically what I do when I sit down to do a plot prediction is I'll look at the trailer a few times, I'll break it down frame by frame, but I had done so much research into the Warrens, I'd watch the other movies, research the other movies, I'd research the real-life case, and then when it came to watch the trailer, I'm like, none of the things that happened in the trailer really gel with anything that happened in the real-life case or the formula of, of the yeah, other like, Conjuring where's movies. where's the forest come from, you know? But then I realised as well, hang on, The other Conjuring movie trailers didn't really paint an accurate picture of those movies either. So what if instead of just paying attention to the trailer and breaking down the trailer, I just go from my gut instinct combined with a little bit uh, like a dash, (laughs) throw in a dash of the real life story and then basically just follow the exact formula of the other two Conjuring movies. I love it. And since you binged all the Conjuring movies, you have a a taste for it. And those first two movies, those first two movies are basically identical. So if I just do the exact same plot again, how can I go wrong? So you think that that's what they're going to do? Pretty much, yes. Even though they said that it's not going to be a a haunting house movie or a haunting movie, they're actually going in a different direction genre-wise? Yeah, I don't agree with that. (laughs) Now, another important thing about the previous two movies that fits into the formula of these movies is the four stages of demonic possession. Do you know about this at all, Matty D? No. So, something they introduce... Yeah, it's in the movie, right? They introduce it... falling out and... Yeah, well, that's not really what they're talking about, but it's something they introduced way back in the first Conjuring... I believe Ed Warren writes it up on a chalkboard while he's explaining to some students or whatever about demon possession. And then the four stages are infestation, oppression, obsession, and possession. So infestation is when the evil first appears in someone's home, for example. That's when you get like little weird occurrences happening, like strange smells, weird noises that you can't explain, doors closing by themselves, basically harmless stuff. And then when we move on to oppression is when the spirit's start to dominate the inhabitants of the house a bit more. That's when people start getting hurt. They'll be woken up in the middle of the night. Things will happen to frighten them. Animals might die, so on and so forth. Birds will, like, fly into their windows. <laughs> All that good stuff. And obsession is the point where the, the victims of the spirit or the demon are so overwhelmed, like, they can't sleep anymore. All they can think about is the demon. And by having this happen, this leads to the final step, which is possession. So by having this obsession with the demon... They essentially welcome the demon into their bodies, and that's how they become possessed. And the demon 
inhabits the person rather than the house or the object. That's right. That's right. So each one of these stages of the possession could probably be like 20 minutes of the movie. So if it's a two-hour movie, we just follow those stages and how can you go wrong? And that's the original Conjuring movies, right? That's right. Had those steps. That's That's very clever. I should have thought of that. Yeah. So I'm just going to follow those steps again for this movie as well as the standard plot points of those two other movies. And like I said, a little pinch, (laughs) just for flavor, a little pinch of the real life story as well. So here we go. So I think quite like you, the movie will open with a flashback in the 50s or possibly even the very early 1960s. And this will be established with period-appropriate cars and music. And here we'll see a young Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have only recently been married, so we're jumping past their initial meeting, investigating their first case of demonic possession together. So, of course, as we know, all horror movies have to start with a scare, so this leads us to our first scare. So Lorraine will use her psychic powers to slip into another realm, as we've seen in other movies. Sort of like a dark world, like the Upside Down in Stranger Things. I think we even see it in the trailer for this movie. Yeah. So he slips into this other realm where we'll see some spooky imagery resulting in a jump scare from a demon that will startle Lorraine. And back in the real world, Ed will cry out, Lorraine! As is tradition. (laughs) But it'll be the young version of... That's um, right. It'll be the young version. So now we'll jump forward to 1981, which will be established by period-appropriate cars and music, as I've said before. Now, I am going to predict some of the music that's going to appear in this movie. So the other two movies had music establishing the time period. Now, I'm predicting that Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes will appear in the movie. Okay. That will definitely be in the soundtrack at some point, as well as Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton. Those are two songs that I definitely think are going to be in the soundtrack. Points my way if they are. All right, all right. This is not going to be another LaBouche situation. (laughs) We're not going back there. Now, the film at this point will reintroduce us to the Warrens. So this is the modern day Warrens. And their daughter, Judy, who will have little to nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Judy will be like, hey, I'm basically an adult now. See you guys. They have a daughter? Yeah, they do. Daughter called Judy. She's barely in the movies. They always just introduce her just to have her be in the background. She was actually harassed by Annabelle for a scene in the first movie. Right. And in the second movie, she she was in one scene. a real person? Yeah, real daughter. Okay. Does she do anything like the Warrens did? Uh, not as far as I know. She's probably taken over their museum of crap. As, <laughs> the museum of what? Of, of, their sorry. museum of supernatural <laughs> of artifacts. artifacts. Yeah, well, someone's got to take over it now that the. Well, yeah, it's in the family, right? Yeah, I believe so. So at this point in the movie, we'll see into their mundane and overly sappy family life. And at the same time, we'll be introduced to the Glatzel family with Carl and Judy and their two children, David and Debbie along with Debbie's fiancé, Arnie. Now, I think that Arnie will propose to Debbie around this point in the movie, leading to some more sappy romance, just what we needed. <laughs> well, we got to get attached to these characters. Yeah, and that's the best way to do it. And the Glatzels have recently bought a rental property. Well, they haven't bought a rental property. They've recently rented a rent. No, they've bought a rental property. Yeah. Is it in a forest? It's on the edge of town, so it's right next to the woods. <laughs> so they've bought a rental property, which is run down. And we first meet them as they arrive to see the property for the first time. So they get to go through and see all the creepy objects in the house. There's cobwebs everywhere. Perfect opportunity for like a, a minus scare. Did this happen in, the, in one of the other yes. movies? Yes, it happened in the first movie. So they'll start to clean up the property. And while a young David is on his own, he comes across an old well in the backyard. Ooh. A jump scare demon will pop out of the well and will grab David. But then we'll cut away before we get a good look at the demon. So like a hand will pop out and grab him by the face as he's peering over the edge. But then the, it will cut away straight to like a family member hearing him scream. Did you see this in the trailer? What gave you this idea? Oh, this is just complete conjecture. conjecture? Entirely just complete conjecture. Now, David will return to his family in a daze, claiming that he saw an old witch who threatened to harm their family. Now, in real life, it was an old man. Yeah, that's Creepy right. old man. But yeah. they did that in the second movie already, so they can't do it again. So I've changed it to an old witch because I talked about witches, I think, in the trailer. Mm. Now, at this stage, the Glatzel family won't believe David and thinks he's just trying to get out of helping them clean. <laughs> the devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil made me not want to do it. Help you sweep. So this is very much the introduction of the infestation stage. Now, around this point as well, we'll be introduced to Debbie's sleazy jerk of a boss, Bruno Sauls, who will continually treat Debbie like shit. Right. Of course, quite like in your plot, this guy's a real scumbag. Uh, maybe he'll be portrayed as a drunk, but, you know, who knows? And now I think the next 40 minutes or so of the movie will be made up of the Glatzel family being spooked in the middle of the night by random jump scares. Of course. With David continually being startled by the old witch demon, who occasionally transforms into a tall creature with glowing red eyes. Which we so see starts in the off trailer. as like a witch. Yes, that's right. And then it will just like morph. The family at first passes off David's visions as nightmares until they start seeing creepy things themselves. David will suddenly have cuts and bruises appear on his skin after being attacked. And this will confirm to the family that all of this is real. So this is our second stage. Yes, this is very much the oppression stage. 
And then, of course, leading straight into... Maybe we're skipping a step here. The, the demon will finally possess David, who will speak in different voices, levitate, and become violent towards his own family. David will also predict that Arnie will murder someone in the future. You're like, he'll point at him and in Latin he'll be like, you know, he's going to kill his landlord. <laughs> landlord. There you go. The family will call in a priest to exercise David and the property, but it will not work. So he'll come in and be like, holy shit, there's nothing I can do here. See you guys. Will the priest believe it or will they? Will the priest not believe it? I think he'll it? be skeptical at first, but then when he sees crazy shit going on, he's like, well, see you guys. Nothing I can do. I knew a priest that did exorcisms. Really? In real life, yeah. Yeah, was he good? Uh, I don't know. I asked him about well, it. Well, how many possessed people do you see walking uh, around? He yeah, must be true. doing a good job. Good. I remember asking him about it and he was like, oh, look, I just go in and bless the house and it makes, pe- it gets That's people, right. like, makes people feel you good. You know, they always have a priest come in and bless the movie set every time they make a conjuring movie. Really? That's true. That doesn't surprise me. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened on the set of The Exorcist, right? That people That's think right. it was cursed. Not knowing where else to turn, the Glatzel family will contact the world-famous paranormal <laughs> investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and upon receiving their call, Lorraine will be apprehensive about helping them, since Ed promised her at the end of the previous movie that they'd never investigate another demon again. And Ed will convince her that this family is more important. So yeah. helping this family is more important they is what I mean. They need to help people. That's right. It's, it's like the heart of the Warrens is it's all like, about. We can go out and do the TV circuit all we want, but that's not helping anybody but ourselves. So we need to help somebody else. But Ed, you promised. Come on, Lorraine, get in the car. <laughs> we need to abandon our daughter again. We'll leave her at the museum. She'll be fine. Yeah, certainly didn't work out last time. Anyway, Ed and Lorraine will arrive at the house with their team of bullshit artists, sorry, investigators, along with a truckload of expensive equipment. And upon entering the home... Lorraine will see a black fog, like in your plot, which represents the demon following the family around like a monkey on their back. The Warrens and their team will film and record several supernatural occurrences, but even though this is supposed to be a true story, they never actually have any film footage of this stuff in real life. Yeah, surprising. The demon burnt it. Yeah. He erased all the tapes. Yeah. Using Lorraine's psychic powers, the Warrens conclude that the Glatzel family has been cursed by witches, and little David has been possessed by a demon that the witches worship. So the demon itself might take the form of a witch, but it is actually a witch demon that the the witches have summoned through their satanic rituals. The Warrens will summon a priest, I guess their own priest, a different one, played by John Noble, to perform a series of exorcism on David, and the movie will turn into a poor imitation of The Exorcist for a portion. We see in a trailer where they do a total rip-off of the, the poster for The Exorcist with the the priest arriving at the house, presumably to do the exorcism. Looking up at the light. Yeah, exactly. And then all these movies always devolve into just like an exorcist ripoff towards, you know, the middle or the end of it. So it's going to happen in this movie too. Now, is Noble going to play a antagonist figure? No. He's like a wise priest that they're, you know, he's going to be a friend to the Warrens, but he's going to be like, you shouldn't dabble in this sort of business. Because he's usually a bad guy. Yeah, well, in this circumstance, he's just an all-knowing man. Okay. A man of the Lord. I realised it didn't fit him in my plot. No, well, it's kind of difficult. During the exorcism, Arnie will taunt the demon and ask it to take him instead. He'll be like, leave my little buddy alone. could take me instead if you really want. The demon leaves David's body and returns to the well, but we are to think that the exorcism went to plan since David has returned to normal. The family thanks the Warrens and they return home. Although Lorraine can sense that something isn't quite right. She's like turning around as she's getting in the car. She's like turning around going, hmm, looking at the house. Hmm. (laughs) With a sad look on her face. Or worried look, rather. Later, Arnie will look into the cursed well, same way that David did, and become possessed by the demon himself. So he'll look down into the water and suddenly like a demon face and we'll go boo and we'll all jump in the audience. And now he's possessed. And the next segment of the movie, probably the second hour of the movie, will involve Arnie acting irrationally, scaring his fiance when they're alone together. So they end up leaving. They, they used to live with the parents briefly, and they've moved off into their own apartment. Debbie's which... boss is like, hey, I got this property. Yeah, exactly. Got this apartment so that you can live in. sets them up as his landlord, if they'll even go down that track. Now, this is where I veer away from the truth a little bit. A few days later, Debbie is accosted by her sleazy boss, Bruno, who is drunk and tries to force himself on her. Okay. Arnie will come to her rescue, but becomes possessed by the demon yet again. It's sort of like the Incredible Hulk, but for demon possession. <laughs> Leading him to stab Bruno to death with a pocket knife. And a character is killed on screen for the first time ever in a Conjuring movie. Has there not been a death in the nope. Conjuring movies? No one ever dies in Conjuring movies. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. That's how tame they are, Matty D. Wow. Everyone's always being frightened, but no one is ever in any like actual danger of being killed. So no one ever really dies in these movies, but this will be the first time. People come close to death, but they never actually die. Still possessed by the demon, Arnie will leave the crime scene wandering aimlessly. He's later picked up by a patrolman covered in blood, like we see in the trailer. Having returned to his normal self for now, Arnie claims that he was possessed by a demon when he committed the murder, and the police, of course, 
Do not believe him. <laughs> How ridiculous. The movie now turns into a courtroom drama with Arnie on trial for the murder. The Warrens return to defend Arnie and give a character witness, but the prosecution are mean non-believers and attempt to dismiss all their evidence. During the three-day trial, the Warrens will begin to investigate the origins of the witch demon, quite like in your plot, and using her psychic powers, Lorraine will enter another realm while in a forest that contains evidence of witchcraft rituals. There we go, quite like in your plot. I think we sort of see this in the trailer. Yeah, we do. While in the other realm, she'll see that a coven of witches summon the demon, which in turn will chase Lorraine through the woods. The chase will lead Lorraine to the edge of a cliff, here we go, where she finally snaps back to reality. But... But she's grabbed by the ankle and almost pulled off the cliff by the demon but he's rescued at the last second by Ed, who again cries out, Lorraine, as is tradition. The Warrens will return to the court and present the evidence of the witchcraft to the jury. Again, nobody seems to believe them. Realising that Arnie is most likely still possessed, the Warrens decide that the best way that they can help Arnie and his family is by exercising the demon for good. Since the Catholic Church doesn't believe that Arnie is actually possessed, they are no longer willing to help, forcing Ed to conduct the exorcism himself, just like he did in the previous two movies. He's always saying like, oh, I'm not qualified to do exorcisms, <laughs> but of course leading him to perform an exorcism by the end of the movie. The Warrens will conduct the exorcism in Arnie's holding cell, and after a long scene of loud noises and near-death incidents, Ed and Lorraine will successfully banish the witch demon. And everyone is happy. Absolutely. Arnie will return to court, where the jury will find him guilty of manslaughter. Although Arnie and the Glatzel family are sad that Arnie is going to jail, they still thank the Warrens for truly, truly saving their family from hell, I suppose. Yeah. The Warrens will return home yet again, but with a new prize for their museum of cursed <laughs> objects. Could be like a, a weird crucifix, or right, like right. you said. Maybe not. And as the movie ends, we'll be told through text, yellow text on the screen, that Arnie only served five years of his 20-year mm. sentence, just like in real life. Yep. And that is the end of my plot. That's it. So the family's happy even though they Arnie's think- going to jail. Well, they know that they saved him. They didn't save him from his jail sentence, but they saved him from the demon. Saved his soul. That's right. So there we go, The Conjuring 3. Devil yep. made me do it. What we think is going to happen. Will it actually happen? Who knows? Who knows? I'm sure there's people out there who have different theories of what's going to happen than we do. I think if you're a fan of these movies, you're probably more invested and you probably yeah. have a bit of a stronger idea of what might happen. Yeah, well, Annabelle and the Nun pop up for some reason. You can let us well, know. Yeah. You can let us know your theories. Just send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can just simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on the Podbean site. So that wraps us up for another week. We're done and dusted. We're done. I feel like a huge weight has been like lifted off my back. <laughs> like a demon has been excised like from we, my body. We, we've been possessed and now we're free. Yes. We're free to frolic Until around. we cover the movie again in the future. Yes. But before we go, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing next week. Let's. So, of course, it's another installment of Actual Spoilers where we go back and we revisit a movie that we've covered in the past. And this week, we're talking about a sequel that we covered many moons ago. I think it was all the way back in 2019. We're talking about Jumanji The Next Level. That's right, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So if you haven't seen Jumanji The Next Level yet, go out and watch that before we do the episode. Because, you know, we're probably going to spoil it for you. And then you can come back and see how close we got to the actual movie. I don't know how you're feeling about this one, but uh, I'm feeling... Eh. I can't remember what we said. Uh, it was the video game I remember game one, we, right? we made a big call. We made a big call that I don't think paid off at all. When have we ever done that, Kieran? <laughs> well, so yeah, join us next week for that. And we'll see you then. Eleven-year-old Janet Hodgson appears to be the focus of many of the strange happenings in Green Street. But they also affect her 14-year-old sister, Margaret, and their younger brother, Billy. Over here was Janet, and over here, in this bed here, was Margaret. It was in the same bedroom a month later, with all the family present, that Morris Gross first challenged the poltergeist to talk. And this was actually the result. Is anybody there? No, no. Who's there? Doctor Doctor Who? How does it feel to be haunted by a poltergeist? It's not haunted. Shut up. Why isn't it haunted? I don't know.